0: Welcome to Empathy Media Lab's Belief Street. My name is Evan Papp, and I'll be exploring religious concepts through text and scripture, interviews and profiles, documentaries and films. So why do I want to explore religious concepts even though I haven't been a practicing Catholic for over two decades? Well, first, I'm appalled at the hypocrites who have hijacked Jesus's teachings to love our neighbor and treat people the way we want to be treated. And as an outsider looking into the internal politics of the Catholic Church, it appears to me that there is a civil war raging between a progressive Pope Francis and a very dangerous reactionary faction that sides with the hypocrites previously mentioned. Ultimately, the outcome of this battle will determine whether it is fear or love that organizes the Holy See. For this series of Belief Street, I'm reading Fratelli Tutti, which is Pope Francis's encyclical subtitled on fraternity and social friendship. The Encyclical calls for more human fraternity and solidarity and is a plea to reject wars and is a plea to reject wars. The document was signed on October 3rd, 2020 on the occasion of Pope Francis's visit to the tomb of his namesake, St. Francis of Assisi and was published the following day on the saints feast day. The Catholic church I went to growing up in Muskegon, Michigan was called St. Francis de Sales. And it's one of the strangest concrete structures I've ever seen. The Sunday experience in that brutalist architectural design made a lasting impression on me that I plan to discuss in coming episodes. And almost 20 years ago, I also had the pleasure of visiting the town of Assisi in Italy during a solo backpacking trip across Europe at the beginning of the US invasion of Iraq. After a day of exploration, I found a modest campsite at Fontamaggio Assisi, not far from the town center, ate a delicious pasta meal with some local red wine And I still remember that night, sleeping on the side of a mountain on a clear evening, looking up at the sky and thinking about the deeper questions of our life. So with an interest in getting back to my roots, I'll follow the last reading and the final reading with chapter eight of Fratelli Tutti titled Religions at the Service of Fraternity in Our World. 271. The different religions based on their respect for each human person as a creature called to be a child of God contribute significantly to building fraternity and defending justice in society. Dialogue between the followers of different religions does not take place simply for the sake of diplomacy, consideration or tolerance. In the words of the bishops of India, the goal of dialogue is to establish friendship, peace and harmony. And to share spiritual and moral values and experiences in a spirit of truth and love the ultimate foundation 272 as believers we are convinced that without an openness to the father of all there will be no solid and stable reasons for an appeal to fraternity we are certain that only with this awareness that we are not orphans but children can we live in peace with one another for reason by itself is capable of grasping the equality between men and of giving stability to their civic coexistence, but it cannot establish fraternity. 273. In this regard, I wish to cite the following memorable statement. If there is no transcendent truth in in obedience to which man achieves his full identity, then there is no sure principle for guaranteeing just relations between people. Their self-interest as a class group or nation would inevitably set them in opposition to one another. If One does not acknowledge transcendent truth, then the force of power takes over and each person tends to make full use of the means at his disposal in order to impose his own interests or his own opinion with no regard for the rights of others. The root of modern totalitarianism is to be found in the denial of the transcendent dignity of the human person who, as the visible image of the invisible God, is therefore by his very nature the subject of rights that no one may violate, no individual, group, class, state, nation, or state. Not even the majority of the social body may violate these rights by going against the minority. 274. From our faith existence from our faith experience and from our faith experience and from the wisdom accumulated over centuries but also from lessons learned from our many weaknesses and failures we the believers of the different religions know that our witness to god benefits our societies the efforts to seek god with a sincere heart provided it is never sullied by ideological or self-serving aims helps us recognize one another as traveling companions truly brothers and sisters. We are convinced that when in the name of an ideology, there is an attempt to remove God from a society, that society ends up adoring idols. And very soon men and women lose their way. Their dignity is trampled and their rights violated. You know well how much suffering is caused by the denial of freedom and of conscience and of religious freedom and how that would leave a humanity which is impoverished because it lacks hope and ideals to guide it. 275, it should be acknowledged that among the most important causes of the crises of the modern world are a desensitized human conscience, a distancing from religious values and the prevailing individualism accompanied by materialistic philosophies that deify the human person and introduce worldly and material values in place of supreme and transcendent principles. It is wrong when the only voices to be heard in public debate are those of the powerful and experts. Room needs to be made for reflections born of religious traditions that are the repository of centuries of experience and wisdom. For religious classics can prove meaningful on every age. They have an enduring power to open new horizons, to stimulate thought, to expand the mind and the heart. Yet often they are viewed with disdain as a result of the myopia of a certain rationalism. 276, for these reasons, the church while respecting the autonomy of political life does not restrict her mission to the private sphere. On the contrary, she cannot and must not remain on the sidelines in the building of a better world or fail to reawaken the spiritual enemy, the spiritual energy that can contribute to the betterment of society. It is true that religious ministers must not engage in the party politics that are the proper domain of the laity, but neither can they renounce the political dimension of life itself, which involves a constant attention to the common good and a concern for integral human development. The church has a public role over and above her charitable and educational activities. She works for the advancement of humanity and of universal fraternity. She does not claim to compete with earthly powers but to offer herself as a family among families this is a church open to bearing witness in today's world open to faith hope and love for the lord and for those whom he loves with a preferential love home with open doors church is a home with open doors because she is a mother and in an imitation of mary the mother of jesus we want to be a church that serves that leaves home and goes forth from its places of worship goes forth from its sacristies in order to accompany life to sustain hope, to be the sign of unity, to build bridges, to break down walls, to sow seeds of reconciliation. Christian Identity, 277. The church esteems the way in which God works in other religions and rejects nothing of what is true and holy in these religions. She has a high regard for their manner of life and conduct. precepts and doctrines which often reflect a ray of that truth which enlightens all men and women yet we christians are very much aware that if the music of the gospel ceases to resonate in our very being we will lose the joy born of compassion the tender love born of trust the capacity for reconciliation that has its source in our knowledge that we have been given and sent forth the music of this. If the music of the gospel ceases to sound in our homes, our public squares, our workplaces, our political and financial life, then we will no longer hear the strains that challenge us to defend the dignity of every man and woman. Others drink from other sources. For us, the wellspring of human dignity and fraternity is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. From it, there arises, for Christian thought and for the action of the church, the primacy given to relationship, to the encounter with the sacred mystery of the other, to universal communion with the entire human family as a vocation of all. Called to take root in every place, the church has been present for centuries throughout the world. For that is what is meant to be Catholic. She can thus understand from her own experience of grace and sin, the beauty of the invitation to universal love. Indeed, all things human are our concern. Wherever the councils of nations come together to establish the rights and duties of man, we are honored to be permitted to take our place among them. For many Christians, this journey of fraternity also has a mother whose name is Mary. Having received this universal motherhood at the foot of the cross, she cares not only for Jesus, but also for the rest of her children. In the power of the risen Lord, she also wants to give birth to a new world where all of us are brothers and sisters, where there is room for all those whom our societies discard, where where justice and peace are resplendent. 279. We Christians ask that in those countries where we are a minority, we be guaranteed freedom, even as we ourselves promote that freedom for non-Christians in places where they are a minority. One fundamental human right must not be forgotten in the journey towards fraternity and peace. It is religious freedom for believers of all religions. That freedom proclaims that we can build harmony and understanding between different cultures and religions. It also testifies to the fact that since the important things we share are so many, it is possible to find a means of serene, ordered, and peaceful coexistence, accepting our differences and rejoicing that, as children of the one God, we are all brothers and sisters. 280. At the same time, we ask God to strengthen unity within the church, a unity enriched by differences reconciled by the working of the Spirit. For in the one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body, in which each member has his or her distinctive contribution to make. As St. Augustine said, The ear sees through the eye, and the eye hears through the ear. It is also urgent to continue to bear witness to the journey of encounter between the different Christian confessions. We cannot forget Christ's desire that they may all be one. Hearing his call, we recognize with sorrow that the process of globalization still lacks the prophetic and spiritual contribution of unity among Christians. This notwithstanding, even as we make this journey towards full communion, we already have the duty to offer common witness to the love of God for all people by working together in the service of humanity. Religion and Violence, 281. A journey of peace is possible between religions. Its point of departure must be God's way of seeing things. God does not see with his eyes. God sees with his heart. God's love is the same for everyone, regardless of religion. Even if they are atheists, his love is the same. When the last day comes and there's sufficient light to see things as they really are, we are going to find ourselves quite surprised. 282, it follows that we believers need to find occasions to speak with one another and to act together for the common good and the promotion of the poor. This has nothing to do with watering down or concealing our deepest convictions when we encounter others who think differently than ourselves. For the deeper, stronger, and richer our own identity is, the more we will be capable of enriching others with our own proper contribution. We believers are challenged to return to our sources, in order to concentrate on what is essential, worship of God and love for our neighbor, lest some of our teachings taken out of context end up feeding forms of contempt, hatred, xenophobia, or negation of others. The truth is that violence has no basis in our fundamental religious convictions, but only in their distortion. 283, sincere and humble worship of God bears fruit, not in discrimination, hatred, and violence, but in respect for the sacredness of life, respect for the dignity and freedom of others, and loving commitment to the welfare of all. Truly, whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. For this reason, terrorism is deplorable and threatens the security of people, be they in the East or the West, the North or the South, and disseminates panic, terror, and pessimism. But this is not due to religion, even when terrorists instrumentalize it. It is due rather to an accumulation of incorrect interpretations of religious texts to policies linked to hunger, poverty, injustice, oppression, and pride. That is why it is so necessary to stop supporting terrorist movements fueled by financing, the provision of weapons and strategy, and by attempts to justify these movements, even using the media. All these must be regarded as international crimes that threaten security and world peace. Such terrorism must be condemned in all its forms and expressions. Religious convictions about the sacred meaning of human life permit us to recognize the fundamental values of our common humanity, values in the name of which we can and must cooperate, build in dialogue, pardon and grow. This will allow different voices to unite in creating a melody of sublime nobility and beauty instead of fanatical cries of hatred, 284. At times, fundamentalist violence is unleashed in some groups of whatever religion by the rashness of their leaders. Yet the commandment of peace is inscribed in the depths of the religious traditions that we represent. As religious leaders, we are called to be true people of dialogue, to cooperate in building peace, not as intermediaries, but as authentic mediators. Intermediaries seek to give everyone a discount ultimately in order to gain something for themselves. The mediator, on the other hand, is one who retains nothing for himself, but rather spends himself generously until he is consumed, knowing that the only gain is peace. Each one of us is called to be an artisan of peace by uniting and not dividing, by extinguishing hatred and not holding on to it, by opening paths of dialogue and not by constructing new walls. An Appeal, 285. In my fraternal meeting, which I gladly recall with the grand Imam Ahmed Al-Taib, we resolutely declared that religions must never incite war, hateful attitudes, hostility, and extremism, nor must they incite violence or the shedding of blood. These tragic realities are the consequence of a deviation from religious teachings. The result from a political manipulation of of religions and from interpretations made by religious groups who, in the course of history, have taken advantage of the power of religious sentiment in the hearts of men and women. God, the Almighty, has no need to be defended by anyone, does not want his name to be used to terrorize people. For this reason, I would like to reiterate here the appeal for peace, justice, and fraternity that we made together. In the name of God, who has created all human beings, equal in rights, duties, and dignity, and who has called them to live together as brothers and sisters, to fill the earth and make known the values of goodness, love, and peace. In the name of innocent human life that God has forbidden to kill, affirming that whoever kills a person is like one who kills the whole of humanity, and that whoever saves a person is like one who saves the whole of humanity. In the name of the poor, the destitute, the marginalized, and those most in need, whom God has commanded us to help as a duty required of all persons, especially the wealthy and those of means. In the name of orphans, widows, refugees, and those exiled from their homes and their countries. In the name of all victims of wars, persecution, and injustice. In the name of the weak, those who live in fear prisoners of war, and those tortured in any part of the world without distinction. In the name of peoples who have lost their security, peace, and the possibility of living together, becoming victims of destruction, calamity, and war, in the name of human fraternity that embraces all human beings, unites them, and renders them equal, in the name of this fraternity torn apart by policies of extremism and division, by systems, of unrestrained profit, or by hateful ideological tendencies that manipulate the actions and the future of men and women, in the name of freedom that God has given to all human beings, creating them free and setting them apart by this gift, in the name of justice and mercy, the foundations of prosperity and the cornerstone of faith, in the name of all persons of goodwill present in every part of the world, in the name of God and of everything stated thus far, we declare the adoption of a culture of dialogue as a path, mutual cooperation as a code of conduct, reciprocal understanding as a method and standard, 286. In these pages of reflection on universal fraternity, I felt inspired particularly by St. Francis of Assisi, but also by others of our brothers and sisters who are not Catholics, Martin Luther King, Desmond Tutu, Mahatma Gandhi, and many more. Yet I would like to conclude by mentioning another person of deep faith who, drawing upon his intense experience of God, made a journey of transformation toward feeling a brother to all. I am speaking of Blessed Charles de Foucault. Blessed Charles directed his ideal of total surrender to God towards an identification with the poor, abandoned in the depths of the African desert. In that setting, he expressed his desire to feel himself a brother to every human being and asked a friend to pray to God that I truly be the brother of all. He wanted to be, in the end, the universal brother. Yet only by identifying with the least did he come at last to be the brother of all. May God inspire that dream in each one of us. Amen. a prayer to the creator. Lord, father of our human family, you created all human beings equal in dignity, pour forth into our hearts a fraternal spirit and and inspire in us a dream of renewed encounter, dialogue, justice, and peace. Move us to create healthier societies and a more dignified world. a world without hunger, poverty, violence, and war May our hearts be open to all the peoples and nations of the earth. May we recognize the goodness and beauty that you have sown in each of us, and thus forge bonds of unity, common projects, and shared dreams. Amen. An ecumenical Christian prayer. O God, Trinity of love, from the profound communion, from the profound communion of your divine life. Pour out upon us a torrent of fraternal love. Grant us the love reflected in the actions of Jesus, his family of Nazareth, and in the early Christian community. Grant that we Christians may live the gospel, discovering Christ in each human being, recognizing him crucified in the sufferings of the abandoned and forgotten of our world, and risen in each brother or sister who makes a new start. Come, Holy Spirit, show us your beauty. Reflected in all the peoples of the earth, so that we may discover anew that all are important and all are necessary. Different faces of the one humanity that God so loves. Amen. Given in Assisi at the tomb of St. Francis on the 3rd October, Vigil of the Feast of the Saint in the year 2020 the eighth of my pontificate. Franciscus.